Let me put you on game Don't listen to people who lose or you'll do the same Stop talking to people who don't give a f*** what you say Stop spending your money on weed, go hop on a plane Stop pointing the fingers Welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit of Wealth Podcast Today our guest is the Yogi Myers, if you know him on Instagram Also know him as Garrett Myers, his real name um, But we want to get to know Yogi who Yogi is, where life started for him, um, and like everything that you're doing now, because you're you got your hands on a lot of things. Um, this is the Pursuit of Wealth podcast, and I think you are definitely on your pursuit of your own wealth. So, want to get to know you a little bit better. So, where did life start for for Yogi Myers? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast. This, sure, is, this is my first real podcast I've done. I'm honored, which I can't believe nobody's interviewed you on a <laughs> podcast yet. I'm honored. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm born and raised in Idaho Falls. I went okay. to Skyline. I graduated in 2010. Okay. I went on a two-year mission to Mexico City. That was awesome. Did you play sports in high school? Yeah, I did. I wrestled do? and I played football. Okay. And I played football at Skyline, like, right before we were great. Like, we were good, <laughs> but we weren't as good as they are you now. You didn't have the talent that they have nowadays. Oh, those guys state. are awesome, man. I know. Crushed, like, two state championships, I think, in the I, last few I years. IF can't keep up. Down with the Tigers. Yeah. Yeah, I did go to Idaho <laughs> Falls High School. We were never great at football when I was there, but we were good at soccer, and that's what I played. So, uh, yeah, I'll take that. We'll take it. Little chip. Um, any ambitions of going to play college football, wrestling? It, yeah, I actually uh, – I was, I mean, I wouldn't describe myself as like the greatest in the world, but I was good at both football and wrestling. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to, I had a roommate who walked on to BYU's team and he made the team. Really? And I really wanted to walk on with him. And I think I would have made the team, like maybe not, but I think I would have. Yeah. But I didn't honestly have the money to do it. Um, I was working 25, 30 hours a week, yeah. going to school full time. And the times when tryouts were and practices were, I was like, oh, gotta work yeah so it just didn't didn't and happen walk-ons are hard because like, you don't have a, you not yeah, have a scholarship, no scholarship you got to pay all your own fees and it's cool that you get to play a sport but it's a lot hard. being a uh, student athlete is difficult totally so it's, it's a lot different story when you don't have a paid for scholarship totally so, <laughs> that's crazy so do you ever think back on like what if you'd given that a shot or you just kind of like eh, it's, it wasn't really something i wanted i'd uh i'd be paying or excuse me i'd be playing for uh I'd be playing for the Patriots on Sunday nights, man. <laughs> if I had tried it, I'd I, I wouldn't be here. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. but like one thing that I've noticed, like running a sales team, and I'm sure you've you've noticed this too, but some of my most successful sales people have some kind of sports background. Yeah. Um, and you're competitive. Like I think you probably got that from your high school sports. Um, so you didn't end up going to play any high school or sports after high school. You go on a two-year mission. Where do you go? Mexico City. Okay. So that was, was awesome. That? It was awesome. What kind of yeah. experience was it for you? Had you ever been out of the country? No, I'd never been out of the country. So that okay. was totally foreign. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who go on missions, I feel like, don't get to go where they wanted. That's like where I wanted to go. Really? I really wanted to learn Spanish. I really loved like the Hispanic culture. Yeah. So I was, I was thrilled. Um, it was everything I could have hoped for. I learned Spanish, met some really incredible people. Yeah. Had some awesome experiences. The food in Mexico is top tier. Oh, yeah. I really believe they have the best food in the world. Yeah. Second to none. You go to, like, I talked to some missionaries that go to, like, the Philippines <laughs> yeah. or something. They're like, yeah, I had to eat all this weird stuff. But Mexico would be awesome, like tacos oh, and rice and beans. like a king, man. It was, I, that's, that's where I started getting fat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, How was, like, life there? Was it, was it, I, were you kind of in Mexico City or were you kind of on the outskirts where, like, 
it was more poverty or um more i guess the humble side of the city like i had a couple areas that were decently well off but most of them were definitely lower lower income style neighborhoods it was good though like one thing i learned um there that i really should remember more frequently is money ultimately doesn't make as much of an impact on your happiness as people think. Yeah. Like the folks down there were just as happy, if not happier than any of us here. Yeah. That's what I reflect a lot on, you know, cause it, I think there's two sides of that. There's the people that are like money doesn't buy happiness, which I get, but money also makes life more convenient. It does buy boats. Yes. It does buy <laughs> boats and Ferraris like Garrett has. Uh, which, you know, some people may never get there. <laughs> Our goal is to get everybody there. Um, but it, it's so true. Like money, money can't really buy happiness, Yeah. but it's your, your life is a lot more stressful if you yeah. don't have money or the resources to pay your bills, um, or to buy food. So I'm like, I agree with that to some aspect, but having, having that mentality sometimes is a cop out. Yeah. Cause I hear it from a lot of people that just don't want to work hard. Yeah. Money doesn't buy happiness. I, I would say money is a like a leverage a, t- a leverage tool maybe mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a great way to say that but yeah i think money can accentuate your happiness and make your happiness a lot more complete yes um you can get more time doing the things that you enjoy i also think if you're kind of on a bad trajectory money can make it worse because oh, yeah. you can accelerate some of those bad habits <laughs> yeah, that's and true 100 percent. it basically exemplifies or amplifies who you already are yeah. as a person so whether you're on a good trajectory or a bad trajectory it can just accelerate that yeah like you said um so you, you were there for two years yeah you returned home yeah i came home went to byu uh like down BYU in provo. Provo? okay mm-hmm. it was the first uh myers kid to really ever move out of idaho wow <laughs> so, that's awesome yeah. first one to go to College? Yeah, yeah. My parents didn't graduate from college. That's awesome. I don't. My grandparents didn't graduate from college. They got their associates from uh, iTech here in town. Okay. Yeah. Back in the day, my, both my parents did. Oh, really? But yeah, it was the first. And I actually didn't graduate from college either. You I went, started it. You started. I, I started. I was. I was on that road. I went to. I actually went to five years at BYU. BYU. If you ever watch this, which you won't, <laughs> give me my degree. Dang it. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I, I have enough credits to graduate. I just could never figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. So like half of them are in medicine, half of them are in Spanish, half of them are in psychology. I have a bunch in business. Like I just could never, never figure decide. out. What was your original plan when you started? Um, or what was your vision? So my dad works out at the INL. Okay. And I feel like every dad who works at the INL tells their son to look into engineering. Mm-hmm. So I got down there and I'm like, yeah, engineering, like I'm a smart kid, you know, like I could do that. And I got into a calculus class and three days in, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> uh, then it was medicine. I always thought it'd be cool to be like a pediatric doctor of some kind. Okay, yeah. Um, I enjoy kids like interacting with families and things yeah. like that. So I just thought that'd be awesome. You'd have a killer personality for that. <laughs> I would definitely go to you as doctor. That was my plan for, I actually, for like two years, I did all the like pre-med Correct. classes. Yeah. And then I started doing door-to-door sales Okay. and I started making pretty good money. Yeah. And I just didn't know if I could deal with four more years of school. Like I kind of hit that wall of like, this is pointless. Like why am I focusing all my time and energy into something that doesn't bring returns for like six more years? Yeah. So that's kind of the wall I hit. Such the hard, it's actually, because I've had Mark on the podcast and he was kind of on a similar journey when he wanted to, when he started in college was to go into the medical field. Um, 
in because I feel like a lot of people that don't know, had you ever heard about like sales careers? No, zero. I had no idea that yeah. it was even an option. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't, and so they're just like, okay, we 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 want to be successful. So what do we do? I don't know how to start a business, or I don't know anybody that started a business. I don't know anybody in the sales world. Uh, I've been to a doctor, and it looks like they're pretty well off. So they yeah. have, let's go be a doctor. <laughs> totally. Um, but what got you into? So you started in the sales yeah, industry. So, um, every everybody, I feel like at BYU does door to door sales, or at yeah. least there's a ton it's of a people big that recruiting. do. Recruiting, yeah. yeah. So, but I had this friend named Chandler Smith, who everybody who watches this might know Chandler. Yeah. Chandler was a year older than me in high school. I was actually better friends with his younger brother Peyton. Okay. So Chandler had gone out, and I heard he had just, you know just sold the doors off. Like this guy is top tier. Yeah. And I feel like people always discredit door to door sales. Like, yeah. Oh, it can't be as good as they say, or, you know, this stuff. but I, I knew their family like, well, so I'm like, no, if Chan says he went out and did this well, like he really probably did. Yeah. So Peyton got home and Peyton was going to go out and Peyton and Chandler kind of worked on me and they were like, Hey, you should come out with us. And I had considered doing it the year before with some other friends, but I bailed last minute. Yeah. So I decided to go out with them and it was awesome. Really? Um, Chan showed me the ropes. I definitely didn't like a lot of people pick it up right away. Yeah. I remember sitting on a curb, like sobbing like two days in because I had made no money. Yeah. I actually got offered a scholarship at BYU for academics and I had given up my scholarship to come out. What? And so, yeah. And you never sold, sold before. No, I'd never sold before. So I was like a total, just bet on yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go give this a shot. Yeah. Wow. Like I had finally worked hard enough to get. So I had a 4.0 at BYU for my first two years. Yeah. And I had finally gotten to the point where, thanks, I had, uh, they were going to pay all my tuition and I gave it up to go out and sell for the summer, you know, thinking what like, you, what did your parents think? Did they know about your scholarship? Yeah. Yeah. They knew they were supportive, like skeptical, but supportive, I would <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. Like any, you know, traditional parents are like, this Especially is a very, your dad being an engineer, yeah, probably like, totally, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know, but they were supportive. Like they knew Chandler and. They gave me a car to use, which was that's awesome. I actually totaled the car at the end of the summer. Still owe him for that. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure he pays you for that. Now he's, he's there. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Um, so your first year, how, how well did you do? Where'd you end up? Um, I finished in the top 10 rookies in the company. Wow. So we sell a lot more now than we did then. Yeah. I sold 300 contracts that year. Wow. Which was, yeah, it was good. Which is like, what kind of revenue? So back then our average contract value was only like $430. Okay. So it was like $125,000 in revenue. That's crazy. And I made a 35% commission, if I remember right, on that revenue. So okay. I made, you know, 35, 40 grand when all was said and done. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, first, is that what you expected or what did you expect going out? So Chandler had made like 90 grand his first summer. Yeah. So that was kind of like the the bar. Yeah. But But I didn't. You know, I was working a job making 15 bucks an hour before that and then getting taxed on that money and paying my tuition. So I had told myself, like, if I could make 15, 20 grand this summer, like that's a huge that's home a run for me. Yeah. So 35 to 40 grand, I came home, I paid off the car loan that I had, um, I paid for my school and housing for the next year. And I was like, yeah, medical is like totally possible at this point because yeah. I can focus on my education more. Have some money. Yeah. Okay. So... Coming out of coming out of year one, did you plan to go back, or were you like, "Hey, I'm going to go back into the medical field"? Yeah, I was pretty set on doing a second year. Yeah, I actually distinctly remember a conversation with my dad, where I was sitting in BYU's library. I was studying for, uh, I think it was an American Heritage test, or a, it might have been it was some kind of test. Yeah, and I remember calling and talking to my dad and just being like, 
this opportunity is actually pretty good. Like if I sell, you know, 25, 30% more than I did last year, if I recruit a team of 10 guys, like I could make a hundred grand. And I remember my dad being like, could you really, like, you could actually make that much money. And I'm like, yeah, like that's the math works out, you know, yeah. like that's, it could happen. And I'll never forget. He just was like, son, like I've worked my whole life to be able to make that kind of money. Like I've worked mm. at that point, you know, 25 years out of the INL. Wow. And he's like, it took me a lot of those years to get there. Yeah. So he's like, that's a pretty legit opportunity. You should really take that serious if it's possible. Yeah. That's kind of when I was like, I should dial it in. Like I should try and go big. So did you go to a second year? Yeah. Okay, yeah I went so out my second it. year. I made like a hundred year of college. Did you do? Oh a second? yeah. I did. Okay. You did. You did that yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. My whole plan up until, so I did year two at BYU. It was awesome. Went out and sold. I made like 120 grand. Wow. Um, year three, I did at BYU. That's when I met Emma and we okay. started dating and got engaged at the end of that year. And I went out that summer and sold. And all that time, my plan was like, be done with door to door within the next year or two. Yeah. And BYU rejected me from the uh, business management program. Really? <laughs> yeah, which is, so you have to, you get into BYU and it's then- It's one of their biggest mistakes. Seriously, <laughs> come on. Um, I got into the finance program, which is harder to get into according to everybody. Yeah. And then the business management program, which supposedly is easier. That's the one I actually wanted to do. Yeah. And I had to decide on finance before that deadline, before I knew if I got into business management. Okay. So I rejected finance. Oh, man. And in hindsight, I probably should have accepted finance and then changed to management if I got in. But I didn't know that was an option. Got it. And so I rejected the finance program. And then I didn't get accepted to the business management program, which was like surprising and I don't mean to sound boastful, but I had like a 3.96 GPA. I had great extracurriculars. Yeah. So I was like, why did I get rejected? It was, it was a sign. And that was kind of when I downward spiraled from school. Like oh, I really? still did another semester and a half. Yeah. But that's kind of when I was like, I don't, I actually transferred up to BYUI online at that point. Really? Cause I was like, screw screw going to college. Like I'm going to make money and I'm just going to get my degree online. I still live down in Provo and then I didn't like the online thing. So I went back to some classes in Provo and I was like, I just, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so that, that was kind of the end of my college career. So were you paying for classes up until this point? Like all, I had a full tuition scholarship. So the way it worked, I don't know if it still works this way at BYU, but if you get like, if you're above a certain benchmark of the rest of the school yeah. on your GPA, they'll give you a full tuition scholarship. Oh, okay. So like a year and a half in, I guess before that first summer, I got a full tuition scholarship for spring and summer semesters, uh -huh. which I didn't take. And then I did well enough the next semester that I got a full tuition scholarship offered for like normal school. Okay. So I did accept that, but I was still paying for books. And at some point I gave up that scholarship because I didn't take enough credits every semester. Got it. I started doing 12 and I think they wanted me to do 14. Uh -huh. But BYU is cheap. So I was paying... 2,500 bucks a semester, you know? Okay, so nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah, and when you're making 120,000 yeah, in the summer, doable. you're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll play that. Um, but you never get, you didn't really give up hope until like four years in. Of yeah, I was, I mean, I have 125 credits, I think. Like, <laughs> I have a lot of credits. I was like, I was the complete opposite. I was like, yeah, I, I got my associates. I was playing soccer and I was like, once that was over, I was like, yeah, I'm just not, I don't want to do school. And I was good. Like, I, I had a great GPA in, in high school. I had like a 3.9 and then 
college, I did good, you know, with Bree's help on, on English <laughs> papers, but uh, <laughs> did good. So, but I, I never like, it's funny because I talked to Mark too, and I think he kind of gave it up pretty quick. I gave it up pretty quick, but it's cool to see that you actually like, you held on to it for a while. Yeah. It wasn't like you're just like, college isn't for me. You're like, I'm going to get my degree and do all this other stuff on the side too. Yeah. It was, I feel like I'm a little bit older than you guys. Yeah. I'm almost like a half generation of college earlier. So I, I feel like everyone did school then. Yeah. Like I didn't have any friends that had dropped out. That's true. I didn't have any friends that were like, no, I'm just going to make money. Like everybody was making money and doing school. That's interesting. That's actually a good perspective. Cause I think there is a generational thing where like, in my age and like even the age now. Oh yeah. Everybody kids, drops like, out now. Yeah. It's like nobody actually finishes school and, and being an entrepreneur and, and business owner is like the, the it's, thing it's like the doctor now. It's yeah. like, maybe that was like, you're the tail end of being a doctor is <laughs> yeah. cool. And now being a sales guy and do that stuff is cool. Even like, it, like I love my in-laws. If, if my in-laws watch this, what up? <laughs> I love them. But it's like when I married Emma, I was making great money. Like yeah. Summer after we got married was my fourth summer and I cleared 200 grand that summer. Wow. But even then it was like the discussion every time I would see him is like, Hey, when are you going back to school? Like, when are you prioritizing graduation? And my parents too, like, Hey, like you really should still like, you know, look into this degree thing. Yeah. It was very, very much that way. And I think it still is in a lot of circles, but for sure, I definitely busted out of that circle, said no more. That's <laughs> dude. I, I love that. I, my father-in-law was kind of similar. He's, he's a financial advisor and you know, he went, he got his four year degree and he's been very successful with Edward Jones. Um, and I remember like when we first moved back and I was working at the bank and didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, but he would like, and we were living in the base, their basement for a little bit. And you know, in the mornings, he'd, yeah, so what's your plan? You know, like he would just like ask me these, and I had like these big, uh, I don't know, at like, one point I was going to start a clothing company and, uh, then I was getting into real estate and he would always ask like, you know, how much money could you make here? What's your potential? And, uh, those conversations I think actually really helped me because it, it made me think long-term. Yeah. Um, but it was also kind of like, I think he, he might doubt me a little bit on like what I'm actually doing. Um, and now, I mean, we have a phenomenal relationship and he's, I think he's proud of what we've done, but, um, it's, it's interesting to have that perspective. And a lot of people don't break out and go into the sales world or chase what they want to actually do because yeah. they do have that little bit of pressure and they just want to mold into what the family wants them to do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's cool. And what, you know, being an engineer, like you probably wouldn't be where you're at right now. So this has been like a weird paradigm for me. I think paradigm is the right word there. Yeah. Uh, I have some great friends from college that I'm like still great friends with. <clears throat> and especially those first couple years at BYU, there's like two or three kids who I did like all the pre-med classes with. Yeah. And we would like study together and, you know, help each other out with homework. Like we were tight. And those kids are just now graduating med school and finishing their residencies. Well, not even finishing, like starting their residencies. Yeah. And it took them a little bit longer than probably some people because, you know, they did sales and didn't do the summer semesters. And so they might be a year or two behind, but yeah. it's weird. I'm like, man, I'm kind of like on the, you know, the peak of my career, yeah. hopefully still going up, but these guys are just getting started. It's a weird, it's a weird pair. Yeah. And they'll, you know, they'll do awesome things. They're oh, yeah. loving what they do, but it's just a different, it's different like world. You're, you're, you're like 10 years ahead of them. Yeah. Like I'm like, man, I'm 31 and I like, you know, I want to retire by 40. Like I want to be big chilling golfing yeah. and, you know, hanging out every day. For sure. <laughs> and, it, and it's, that's real for you. That could yeah, absolutely be real, you know, um, versus like just getting started into the actual career. It's like, yeah, you have a chance to make or that you're going to, they're going to make great money. Yeah. And over time it's like, 
you know, if they have debts, they'll pay that off and they'll be financially fine. But yeah, you're, you're going to be able to enjoy what you've done over the last 10 years where they've had a, you were in school, but making money essentially. Like you were learning a ton in sales, doing your day to day stuff. Um, but yeah, that's such a weird thing. I think about that too. I have buddies that are just graduating with their, with their degrees and, um, like, man, what, what would life be like if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now? And now I look back and I'm like, there isn't a point that I can really pinpoint that I was like, man, I want to go like crushing in real estate. It's kind of like I was going to get my license and things kind of played out. And now looking back, I'm like, I don't know what else I'd rather do. Yeah. I think something interesting with our society that I've, I've thought a lot about this. Everybody looks at the risks involved with entrepreneurship and sales, whether it's real estate, whether it's door to door, whether it's insurance, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And they're like, well, there's a lot of people that don't make it. I'm like, yeah, it's true. Like I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've brought out that didn't do well. Like there's been a ton. Yeah. But at the same time, I can't tell you how many of my friends tried to go to medical school and dipped out at the last second mm-hmm. or tried to go to medical school and did yeah. and then realized that they hate it. Yeah. It's like, that's also a big risk and that's a big risk with lots of debt. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You're taking on a f- large financial responsibility there. I think that's something that we don't talk about. Like that gets kind of kicked under the rug. Yeah, totally. Like, oh yeah. We don't talk about how many people dropped out of college and how many people started and never finished, but don't do sales. So, you know, like only, only the top 10% or 20% actually make it. It's like 87% of realtors drop out after their first three yeah. years. It's like, it's a real stat, but why, why would you not give it a try? I think the other thing that I really believe with sales, like I really believe this. Yeah. If people are willing to go through those first three years and like you're willing to go through hell, yep. like you got to be willing to do whatever it takes. Yep. Everybody makes it. The guy who never quits will always win. Yeah. It might take a year. It might take two years. It might take five years. Yeah. But you're always going to win in the long run. 100%. If you just never, because you look you look at that analogy into anything. If you shot 10,000 free throws, you know, I've talked about this before. Alex Ramosi says, do something so much that it would be unreasonable for you not to be good at it. Yeah. Like, it'd be statistically unreasonable for you <laughs> yeah. not to be successful in door-to-door sales if you knocked 1,000 doors. Yeah. You know? Like, and maybe the numbers are higher for door-to-door sales, but whatever it is, I tell my sales guys, it'd be unreasonable. If you guys made 100 calls a day, it's like, I, I asked them to make 15 conversations a day. It's like, but if you guys wanted to really get after it, you made a hundred, it would, you would, there'd be no question that you'd hit your goals and far yeah. surpass them. Yeah. But now it's like, are you willing to do that? That's the real it's question. Different story. Yeah. <laughs> That's the real question. But I think that anybody can be successful if they're willing to go, because there's no secret pill. Yep. There's no secret pill for, for door-to-door sales. Yeah. I'm sure there's the, you know, the head nod and the yeah, little stuff trip, that you guys sure. do, you know, but at the end of the day, there's no secret to it. It's just a numbers game and you got to be willing to put in the work. And so I think, I mean, what you guys do is amazing because your sales is, I, I feel like harder than real estate sales. <laughs> it's, it can be brutal out it's there, man. Cried, but thick skin um, for sure. Yeah. But it's taught you probably so many lessons over yeah. the last year or the last decade. You've been in it for 10 years, right? Yeah. This is my 10th summer. Okay. So, so where did wild. things really change for you? Where did you become like, cause are you, you're a regional? Yeah. What's yeah. your title with Aptive right now? I'm called a, they, this is one of my favorite parts of Aptive every year they change the name of what we do. Oh, so last year I was a regional this year. I'm a partner is what it's called. Okay. But okay. essentially it's just a glorified regional. I'm a little bit more involved with, um, corporate stuff than I ever cool. have been like routing efficiency, okay. hiring service pros, um, dealing with like the pay structures and stuff like that. So yeah. that's all new to me and I'm cool. really excited for that. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, it's cool that the company brings in people that are on like that yeah. have worked from the ground up to really give insightful 
you know, feedback on things. Yeah. It's like, here's where I could, I think we could do better because I was on the ground in the trenches doing this. Um, so where did the thing, where, how did you progress in your door to door? So you second year, you came out with a team. Yeah. Second year I had 10 recruits. Okay. Third year I had 18 recruits. Fourth year I had like 28 recruits, but okay. we had a banger team that summer. Really? Best team in the company. That's no awesome. one will ever beat it. Um, <laughs> what was your, what was like your sell stuff? We did were... like 7,500 accounts with 28 guys. And I didn't have a single rep quit, wow. which is like unheard of. Like there's a lot of reps that quit. Like yeah. if you go to security, the average is like 60 or 70% will quit. Yep. If you go to pest, it's like 20 to 30% will quit. Yeah. I didn't have a single guy quit that year. Wow. So it was awesome. It's good leadership. Yeah. I mean, I think I was part of it, but definitely yeah. some good people around me too. That's awesome. Okay. Um, Fifth year was awesome because I lost some key players after that fourth summer, yeah. which was incredibly stressful. And I just, it was kind of another, so when I started, I didn't know if I'd be good at the job. And I remember sitting there crying, like literally shedding tears. Yeah. But I remember telling myself, like, I'll never quit. Even if I work this whole summer and make no money, like I have something to learn from this. I'll never quit. And I think that's, that's one powerful. of the reasons. Thanks. Thanks. I think that's one of the reasons I was able to become good at the job and that year, after my fourth summer, I kind of said the same thing. I'm like, man, I lost some key players. Like, that sucks. But I was like, I'm just going to double down and, like, I'm going to do what I can do. And I grew from 7,500 accounts to 9,500 accounts, even having lost some of those key players. Like, it was it was that a was home your, run for me. Yeah, That was your five? Mm-hmm. So yep. I feel like one thing I've noticed, too, in, in sales and in different industries is year four and five in really key. anything – are your key years. Yeah. Like that's where I feel like a lot of people, it's like the upward, not, you're not upward battle isn't over, but it gets a little easier. Yeah. Cause I feel like you've, you've gotten those first few years under your belt. You know, the industry that you're in. That's why I try to tell these guys, like if you can make it through the first three years, you start getting referral business, repeat business and yep. real estate, like things are going to get better. But like you said, you gotta be willing to go through those first three years of, of hell. Yeah. And it's going to be tough. And, but if you're willing to do whatever it takes to stick it, Yep. It's like year four and five, this is where you can probably really start to see it as a career. And maybe that's where you started to see it as a career of like, totally. this is what I'm going to do. And I feel like I can really make this happen. That's also where I started getting into real estate. Yeah. Like I got my real estate license my fourth summer, just before my fourth summer. Okay. I bought my first property. Um, and then after that summer, I started buying a couple more properties and that's where I was like, holy cow, like if I, and Chandler, who's my best friend, yeah. best guy I know. What a, what a great mentor to have yeah, as a best friend. The guy's the GOAT, King Midas. <laughs> um, he was really crushing it in real estate. So yeah. I was like, man, like if I just do, like it's a sacrifice. Like you have to leave for the summer. Idaho sucks in the winter, yep. sucks in the spring, is a little bit difficult in the fall. And I was leaving for the summers. Like that's brutal. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you still live here. I know, right? <laughs> Moving to St. George. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere warm in the winters. Seriously. So you can enjoy that. Um, but I was like, man, if I just sacrifice for a few years, like I could have a really awesome life. Um, Emma and I had a kid and then another kid. I actually left her here for two summers. It was, we had a nice house and between doctor's appointments and my family living up the road and how much I work when I'm out there. Cause you're working 70, 80 hours a week when you're oh, out yeah. there. Yeah. It's like, I never see you anyways. Like, why don't you just stay here with the kids? You'll be happier. It was a huge, like I look back on it, huge sacrifice. I missed out on two full summers with the kids. Yeah. Like brutal, but it gave me everything that I could possibly want out of my thirties. Like I'm stoked for my thirties because yeah. of it. Which is, and that's the key thing that I want people to realize is, is there really isn't an easy way. 
There isn't an easy way to success. Um, we can look at your Instagram and be like, dude, Yogi has the best life ever, which you do. And you probably can agree now. It's like, yeah, life's pretty good right now. But you had to go through some some sacrifices to get there. Yeah. It wasn't just like, hey, you know, this is the easiest thing in the world. Come out and sell this summer. Um, I, leaving your wife and kids for two summers, like, that's it's brutal. That's hard. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. It was, hard, it was hard on her. It was hard on me. We, this is one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. So, and I share this with the guys all the time. We live in a society that craves like things that are microwavable. Like they look at Instagram and, you know, you see the cars and the boating and the cool trips and it's like, oh, it's sick. Like I just got to do one or two summers. It's like, no, I worked my freaking butt off for seven or eight years before I ever started doing stuff like that. Yeah. And we don't, you know, microwaving is awesome, but most things aren't microwavable. I'm a big barbecue guy. I'm all about the slow cook yep. brisket on the grill for 12 hours. Yeah. That, that's really what it takes. Oh yeah. I actually have to ask you something. I need you, uh, I need you for an <laughs> event so you can grill for us. I'd be honored. So, <laughs> um, speaking of that, cause you are the grill master, but I love that it, things, most things in life, things in life that are worth going for are typically not micro microwavable. Totally. It's like, you've got to put in the time. You've got to be willing to, to sacrifice a little bit, but there's so much good that'll come of that. If you're willing to put in, you know, just sacrifice a little bit. Totally. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that. You know, I, I think at one point you came in my office, I'm like, man, every time I see you, you're just doing bigger and bigger things. And I feel like I'm just slacking. And I, I didn't, you, you know, you'd mentioned you've been in this for 10 years and that really hit me like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, even I sometimes get caught up in like, I'm not doing enough. I, I should be doing way more like, you know, cause I look at, you look at other people, that are successful. Um, but then when you look at, I'm like, man, I haven't even been, in, I, this will be my fifth year. Um, you know, he's been in it for 10 years. Like he should be farther ahead yeah. than I am, you know? So, but I think a lot of people forget about that. And they think that, you know, especially, you know, agents coming into real estate, they're like, I'm just going to get licensed the first year and, you know, go to sell a hundred homes and hopefully I can make the kind of money that you do and live this stuff. I'm like, it, it wasn't like that. It takes time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me in four years and then we can, you know, hopefully get you there. But, um, what, so after year five, what did year six look like for you in summer sales? Um, year six, I did I'm trying to remember. It's been a minute. You went from like 9,500 transactions kind of, or whatever. Yeah. It all kind of blurs together. I think I did 12,000 accounts year six. Okay. Year seven, I hit regional, okay. which regional was where, like, you don't have to knock anymore. Okay. Like, you still should, you know, supplement your income with it, and you should still should, you know, do those things that are good, and you still have to support the team. It's not like you get to retire, but that's kind of where it shifted, and I wasn't knocking every day. I was traveling and training with the teams. I was spending a little more time at home. I was, you know, doing all these different things. That, so you're more of a manager role, yeah. coaching role. Okay. Yep. Um, years eight and nine have been awesome. Uh, year 10 is going to be our best ever. Yeah. Cause now you're so technically you kind of got that step up. Um, yeah. and you guys are just about to go out this summer. I know yeah. some of your guys are already out there. Yeah. I know Mark marks out. Um, what, how many guys did you sign up this summer? Uh, we have 600 reps signed. Wow. A lot of that's a little fluffy. It's, you know, there's some exaggeration there. Yeah. Probably 60% of those will actually show up. Okay. So we'll hopefully have 300 to 350 guys come out and hit a door and hopefully crush it. You That's know, crazy. statistically 80% of those will finish the summer. I'm hoping we can do better than that. But, yeah. You know, 250 or so reps that'll actually like work for us. this summer. It's, and it's a pretty little, it's 
understanding your business, because I kind of want to understand the business a little bit better. You guys take a little bit of a financial risk signing up X amount of guys. Totally. And not having a lot of them sign up because you, you're paying deposits on totally. apartments and stuff, right? Yeah. So what does that look like? Yeah. Luckily, Aptive is awesome. Like they have a corporate team that helps us with all of our housing, okay. all of our licensing. They front the down payments. Oh, like okay. they're awesome. Okay. But at the same time, it's all like riding on my head. Yeah. Like if we go out and we don't do our job and we have guys partying and not working, like, yeah, I will make zero. In fact, I'll make negative dollars this yeah. year, yeah. which is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. They're not just going to front the bill. They're going to come back to you. Oh, for yeah, the yeah. I mean, it's, they're fronting it, but it's sitting on my name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, what, what's kind of your expectation, your goal for your guys this, this summer? Yeah, I want to, I mean, if you want like a concrete number goal, like I would love to see us do 25 million in revenue, Okay, which is and awesome. last year you did? Uh, last year we did like 17, 18 million. Okay. So we switched from accounts to revenue. So okay. There's a change there. Got it. Historically, our average contract value was really low and now it's really high. Okay. Like we're hoping our average customer pays $900 a year for pest control this year. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah, and it's you guys, awesome. You guys started doing like mosquitoes, I yeah. saw, and now you're getting a little bit into solar. Are you still doing solar? Yeah. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, we'll have, I mean, like Houston this summer, we'll have 80 reps set in solar. Wow. And we'll have, you know, a team of six or seven closers out there wow. closing the appointments. So that'll be cool. Yeah, you're going to have a killer summer. Um, what are, What's kind of been the biggest lessons you've learned along this journey in, in sales? Yeah. And running a sales team, because I feel like, you know, yeah. That's difficult. It's one thing to perform on your own in sales. It's another thing to get other guys to perform in sales. Yeah. Um, when you become a manager, people don't just look to you as a manager. I think hopefully this is a good lesson. Yeah. People don't just look to you as like a manager for sales. Yeah. They want to emulate your life. Like yep. is really what's happening. Mm -hmm. So when you recruit somebody like, yeah, they want you to teach them how to sell but they also want you to level up as a person and help them level up as a person. Yep. Um, and I think if you can do that as a manager and if you can do that as a recruiter, like pave the way in all faucets of life, you'll have a lot of people that want to work with you yeah. and want to follow you. And so that's always been my big thing. Like I have tried my hardest to always do what's in the best interest of the team. I have this saying that I say to myself, it's like always give more value than I take. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to make a three or 4% override on a guy, like I dang well better give that guy five or 6% extra value. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It shows that like you, you're, you're not just tied into making these guys make you money, but you want to make sure that you're pouring into them as much as you're getting out of them. Yeah. You know? um, and not all managers are like that. And I Definitely. think that's what's kind of separated you guys into this, you know, empire that you've built with Aptive. Um, Everywhere I look on social media, it's, you know, the Aptive guys doing all these things and, and you guys are all sharing each other's stuff. I think it's awesome. I think you guys have a really good culture. Um, what's been like the most difficult thing for you as a manager? So I actually hired a life coach this year. Okay. Um, this is another part of like social media. Everyone always sees you happy, like especially yeah. myself. I feel like I'm really good at always looking like I'm just stoked and happy. Oh, yeah. Well, you have the compliment, you know, not to fluff you up a little bit, but um, you do have that positive energy. Thank every, you. Every time I've been around you, you've never been down. Thank You're you. You always just have a positive energy, but I know that's that's hard. Oh, yeah. That's hard like, to do. I fight demons, I think, just as much and probably more than a lot of people. Just no one ever sees it. Yeah. But I feel it. Like, yeah. I feel the I feel the down days, I've, but no one ever sees it because I'm really good at 
putting on a happy face. And I feel happy a lot of the time. Anywho, yeah. I heard a life coach this year. Okay. And it's been a game changer for me. Okay. Like, it's awesome. The guy is seriously enlightened. I never really subscribed to the idea that that was worth it. Yeah. I'm like, why am I going to pay somebody to talk to me? Like, that's so lame. <laughs> yeah. But the guy is next level. Like, he is so inspiring. And one of the things that he's helped me um, work through, I guess, is that the concept of it's not personal. Yeah. Like, it's not personal and don't tie my identity to anything that's not permanent. Okay. And so the hardest thing for me, probably about my job, is when I pour my heart and soul into a relationship and a recruit and developing this structure and this team and providing more value than I take and helping people learn real estate and all these things. And then they leave for what they think might be a couple percent more yep. or what they think might earn them an extra 10, 15, even $20,000. I'm like, great, but you know, look at what we had. And I never did that. And I never even like, I would consider myself not trying to toot my own horn here, but I would consider myself like probably loyal to a flaw. Yeah. Like there were times along the road where I maybe should have considered other opportunities and yeah. I never did like not at all. Yeah. And I'm glad now because it's given me everything that I have here and I never will. Like I'm a builder and I'm never going to be a, I'm always going to be a builder. Yeah. But it's hard for me when not everyone has the same perspective I do on that. And 100%. I get it. Like, you know, I get it. Like people are just trying to do what's best for them. But that idea of like, it's not personal. Like it's just them making a business decision and then also not attaching my identity to like that relationship. Like I got to attach my identity to who I am. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird conceptual thing, but that's really helped me. I love that. That's my biggest problem. I need a life coach too then. He's good, man. He's really good. Because I, I, I run into that same issue. It's, uh, you know, you, you're managing a lot more people than I am. Um, but it's that same, that same thing of like, you're going to pour into these guys. You're going to get them up and running. A lot of the times like real estate is, especially when running a team, like yeah. it can be a revolving door. And that's something that I've, you know, ours isn't as bad. Um, but I you felt like we're it. Pretty good. But I felt it. I felt it when people leave and it's like, what, what did I do wrong? What, what I've noticed and the fact that you said like, you're loyal yeah. you've stuck with the company and you did it for a decade and now look where you're at. Yeah. You look at a lot of the people that jump, jump around and, and don't, they tend to, yeah, they get a, a short term gain. Yeah. Short term gain here. Cause uh, some other pest control company is going to give me a better split. Yep. It's like, great. But like, what is your long-term vision with that, that company? What are they going to help you do? Yep. It's like, if you're just willing to be loyal and stick something out, typically it's going to work yep. for you. But the other thing I've noticed is the people that typically leave, it's because they're not willing to bet on themselves. Totally. It's like, you were willing to bet on yourself and that's why you're loyal to the company. Totally. Like I know I can build wherever I'm at, I'm going to build it. So I might as well just build it here. Um, versus the other people they're, they're, looking for somebody to provide them something better instead of creating something better for themselves. Totally. And so that, and that's like, I've kind of come to that realization lately. Um, cause it was hard for me too. I'm like, why, why are they doing it? Cause they it people would leave and they would say like, it was the best thing ever. You know, the team was awesome. It's what I wanted. Um, and I'm like, I'm confused then. But like they have to go cause they think that something is going to happen. Like something else yeah. could be better and they're not betting on themselves to make their own situation better. They're yeah. hoping that somebody else can make it better for them. Totally. Um, which, yeah, I'm glad you shared that. What, how long have you been doing the life coach? Thing? Uh, we've, we've only done four or five sessions and we do it once every two weeks. Okay. So a couple months. Okay. How'd but, you find, how'd you find? So he actually, he's a life coach for a bunch of the active, like executive team and okay. partners and top sales reps. His name is Nate. Okay. Uh, he came and did like a group session for us. Um, like a year and a half ago. 
and it was awesome. Like yeah. I left feeling like, holy cow, like I understand my emotions. Like it was so good. Yeah. And then Chandler started meeting with him and my brother Ryan actually started meeting with him. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, I saw like a lot of really positive um, effects from their meeting. Yeah. And I was in a, not like a terrible funk, but I, I've been in a funk <laughs> and I talked to my wife and she's like, yeah, you should do it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, try it. Yeah. And it's been awesome. Like awesome. really, really healthy and rewarding. Like I spent a lot of money on stupid stuff like cars. And I mean, I spent a lot of money on dumb stuff. Like, man, a little investment in myself has brought me a 10 X return. Yeah. As far as like how I actually feel for sure. And how I actually am performing hundred percent. And, and I saw, was that really a quote from him about the don't spend yeah. a dollar that you have invested? That, yeah. I love that. that he's, awesome. So he's cool too, because and I think this is probably a big reason why it's been so awesome. I really resonate with his like worldview. Yeah. Like he's a real estate investor. Like I am. Okay. Um, he's a successful guy who I'm sure the money is awesome for him, but like, I don't think he needs it. Yeah. So there's some passion involved there where he truly believes in what he can offer and yeah. truly believes he can help his clientele. So it's, yeah, he's top tier. That's awesome. That's, I have a business coach. Um, I don't have a life coach, but you know, that, that might be down the road when, <laughs> and I don't even know, I don't even know what he would, I think like, like I asked Ryan, like, what are you talking about? Ryan actually talks to him a lot more about business. Yeah. So maybe it's just more that I'm like just emotional, you know, he's like, you offload your emotions on me every week. Like, let's talk about active. <laughs> well, that's good though. Cause it's like, you know, Maybe he's like, I can be a business coach, but I can also be yeah. a life coach. And, and, and you probably understand a lot of the business anyway. You know, you're at a pretty high level. They're like, I don't need the business help. I just need like emotional help, help to make sure. Help me work through my feelings, man. Come on. That's what I've, I've leaned on my business coach for life situations as well. You know, we just had our firstborn. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was a lot of figuring out that dynamic. Kids change everything. Kids change everything. You know, we were used to working all the time and going out to dinner whenever we wanted and... Bree was working in the business with me and like those things changed. And so I leaned on him for a lot of insight on like, okay, how do, how do we make this work as, you know, with the kids? Um, and so he was able to play like that life coach for me. And I think it's just so important to have somebody to talk to. Totally. Um, that's, that's uninvested in your, I mean, he's invested in my success obviously because I didn't yeah. make money to, to pay him, but he's not invested in like, there's no alternative motive. He's not in the day to day. He's not he's in the day to day yeah. anywhere. Like you can talk to your friends, you can talk to some of your business partners, but everybody's going to have you know, potentially have an ulterior motive that they can totally. lead you one way. It's good to just get an outside third party perspective. Totally. It's like, you have nothing to really gain other than give me good advice so I can keep hiring you. <laughs> you totally. Know? Exactly. So I think everybody should have a co business coach, life coach, something totally for support um, to really hit that next level. But what, uh, so with your life coach, I know that you've, you guys talked about like real estate investing. Yeah. I want to kind of dive into your, your real estate investing. Cause not only are you successful with summer sales and running a team, but you're crushing it in the real estate game. Thank and you. It was actually annoying the last few years because any multifamily <laughs> property that came on the market, I knew Garrett or one of the active boys was going to put an offer on it. And it was just so competitive. Um, and you guys were dogs. It was like, accept our offer in two hours or we're not, we're not doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, which is cool. So where, where are you at portfolio wise? So I own 33 rental units. Okay. And then a pretty big storage unit complex that I own half of with Chandler. Okay. How so many I, units is a storage unit? It's like 80, but I've found in conversations with storage unit people that everybody views it. Like we have 80 units that are big. Like some of them rented out for 300, $350 a month. Mm. So we, we do have some smaller units that are only 
you know, 80, 85, but we have a lot of bigger ones too. So it's like 80 units, but it's a little bit deceiving. Yeah. It's probably more like a 160 or 200 unit compared to like compared. the smaller units. Yeah. Wow. What's been, uh, what do you prefer? Storage or, or I wish family? I owned more storage units. Yeah. They're from what I've seen, they're way easier to manage. It's way less like I own a lot of rentals where it's like, Hey, the tenant moved out and trashed the place. It's like storage units, they move out and it's all metal and yeah. maybe they bump the fascia on the way out, but it's like, it would stick someone else in there. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, a lot easier maintenance. Yeah. Um, that's, we, we need to build some storage units. Oh, I'd love to. Do. They're awesome. It's so hard to find a good deal on storage right now. Oh, it's so like, well, that's the crazy thing too. They're all filled up. Yeah. It's like, man, we, we need keep those things full. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of a recession proof thing. Totally. People are renting more because totally. they can't afford homes. It's like they're probably going to need more storage units because yep. it's smaller square footage. So, um, but what, what, uh, what's been your biggest hurdle investing in real estate? Like, yeah. Um, so when I started investing, I bought my first house in 2016. Is that the one that you did the video on that you sold? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you sold anything else besides that? I sold a few other properties in Utah, but okay. I didn't like actually pocket the money. I just 1031 exchanged it okay. into properties up here. So you kept so that, investing. That's the only one that I've truly ever sold. Okay. And yeah, that, I mean, it's a lesson learned and it's a cool story, but it haunts me for sure. Like the, how much I could sell it for now is painful, but what really hurts is how much money I know I could make with it as an Airbnb. Yeah. Like I think I could probably pull in six to $8,000 a month on that thing as an Airbnb. Oh man. And I think my mortgage was 1600. And by this point, I'd be halfway through that mortgage because yeah. it was a 15 year loan. You know, <laughs> For those that don't know the story, Garrett just did a video the other day about selling his first property that he ever bought, basically sold it for 270, 270 when he bought it for 250. Yeah. I made no broke money even after commissions. And now that property is probably worth 500. Yeah. 500 to 550, depending yeah. on how you value it. So lesson learned, but you've never sold. That's impressive though. That yeah. You've never sold any other properties. You always just 1031 exchange yep. and moved up yep. um, to get to the unit count. Have you looked at any large multifamily stuff or you stick more in the single family? So that's been something that I guess is maybe a little bit unique about myself. Yeah. The first several rental units that I bought were single family and a couple duplexes. Like I think I own like nine or 10 single family homes here in Idaho Falls. Yeah. And they're not like the Rockwell or the Karchner homes. They're like the, excuse me, they're like the numbered streets or the lettered street houses. Yeah. Like small, three bed, two bath. But those are killer rentals. Oh, killer. The other thing is if you treat the tenants well, they end up staying for forever. Yeah. Like I have a couple tenants that have lived in these houses for five years now. Yep. It's like, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's great. No, and, and what's so cool too is a lot of your properties you've gotten with like, you took advantage of the low yeah. interest rates the last two years. And you, what? how many units do you have like with 3% mortgages? Oh man, a bunch. Like it's, yeah, if I could go back in time, <laughs> I would buy leverage every penny that I could <laughs> find and buy everything. That's know? where I like, man, I messed up. Well, you know, not messed up. I wasn't in the same position, but you know, we picked up one property with, with a 3% interest rate and that thing cash flows like crazy. It's awesome. But looking back, it's like, you know, back then I was like, ah, oh, but what, you know, if, if prices come down, but it's like, dude, when you're looking at it, who cares? I'm not planning to sell that property. Yeah. As long as you're going to keep as it, as long it's going to go keep up. It, it's going to go up in value. It's like th the biggest thing is to have a good cash flow, and, and to do that, if you can get in a lower interest rate, totally, it's going to help that. Totally. So I'm like, man, going back, I hope, man, I hope banks fail and we have a big crash and interest rates go down and then I can capitalize. <laughs> yeah. That's something I'm learning right now. Like I haven't bought as much the last year and a half. That's yeah. kind of why we started the sneaker store is I'm like, I have extra money. I don't yeah. know where to put it. 
But I think something I'm trying to learn right now, every market has an advantage. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I just haven't learned the advantage of this market, but I'm yeah. sure there's going to be an advantage. We just got to figure it out. Yeah. It's, you're going to get, you're going to get better deals. Yeah. Um, we're, we're already seeing it. There's people that have to sell. Yeah. Um, they're going to, they're going to lose money on the property. Um, and so if you can pick up a property that somebody bought a year, two years ago for the same price, it's like, cause we've already seen about a 15% decrease, decrease in home values. Um, you're going to be able to pick up properties pretty cheap. And if you're okay floating that higher monthly payment with a higher interest rate, the fundamental like reasons that we got into this issue with low inventory and, and high demand, those like those those aren't gone. Yeah. They're just like on the sidelines right now because interest rates are so high. So it's like if you're buying properties for a five year hold, you're gonna see all that appreciation come back. Totally. So I think the, the opportunity here is to buy properties that you're not gonna cash flow as well, but you're gonna play the appreciation game totally over the next five years and you're gonna get a lot of appreciation. Totally. So Versus last, I mean, if you bought anything in the last year, it's like you probably lost appreciation short term. Probably underwater for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you got to ride that out, but we'll probably get back there. So if you can acquire properties now, you're not going to cash flow as well. But if you can float them, you're going to two or three years down the road, you're going to crush it. Yeah. Totally. So it's like people. I think people are just and where it's so hard to say because I'm I'm the same way. I'm like I, I haven't bought a ton yet, and I'm like waiting to see where things are going to play out because the, the economy has been so bipolar totally the last few weeks, months, um, especially with like the whole bank issues and how that's going to play out. But, um, what's your goal with real estate? Where do you want your portfolio to get to? Yeah. I'd like to, so that whole, like, don't spend a dollar that you haven't invested at least once quote yep. that Nate told me. Yeah. Um, I was there for a while and then when I turned 30, I call it my third life crisis. I like went crazy. Like I was pretty frugal and then I turned 30 and within a year span, I bought and sold like six different expensive cars. I lost a lot of money on that. Now I own some really expensive cars. I own a boat. I bought another cabin. Like I went pretty crazy at 30. So I'm not, to be honest, I'm not quite living within my cash flow yeah. right now. I'm not that far off from it either. Yeah. But I want to, within the next 12 months, get back to where I'm living within my cash flow. Yep. Like every dollar that I spend will be a dollar that I've already invested. Yeah. And then from there, like I'd like to just keep leveling up. And I mean, I'm a big believer that the more financial freedom you have, the more you can really do what you would like to do. Yep. It hedges all your risk. Yep. Like I'd love to own, I mean, I'd love to be at 50 units within the next 18 months and yeah. then, you know, hundred units is the next big benchmark from there. Yeah. I think I'm going to start investing outside of Idaho a little bit. Yeah. Like you asked about bigger units. For sure. We don't have a ton of bigger units here. We don't. No. So if I can find something killer in the Midwest, that's awesome. I'd love to pull down something like that. Yeah. That's what I, that's, that's like my goal too. I'm like, I, I kind of want to get to a higher unit count relatively quickly. Um, but I'm kind of, what I'm looking at right now is I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the multi, big multifamily market yeah. because there's a lot of multifamily that's been started. Totally. That hasn't come into the market yet. Totally. And I could see that flooding into the market and especially it's the higher end. I think there's still the opportunity from like, if you can get a C property and take it to a B property, yeah. I think that's your moneymaker, but there's a lot of A properties. So many the brand new, you know, so many. <laughs> oh, and, and I'm like, I don't know how they're going to make the numbers work. Cause if they start a construction at the higher costs, um, they're going to have, they most likely have debt on all yep. of it. Killer uh, interest rates. That's going to balloon yep. within, you know, typically on those constructions, they'll do a five year balloon payment debt kind of thing. Um, so they're going to have to get out of, but the rents are going to go down cause they're going to yep. have more competition in that higher end. And if we're in a recession, you know, people aren't going to be able to afford that. So I'm kind of interested. I'm curious to see how this is going to play out with the big multifamily. So I'm going to stay away from it for a little bit, 
But that is the goal too, you know, in the next 18 months, see how this shakes out and then try to go and do acquire some bigger, bigger multifamily stuff and stuff that we could do value add. I know you, I mean, Chandler, that's big Chandler's big thing too, yeah. looking at properties that can do value add to in- increase cash flows. So doing something like that is, is the goal too. You getting to 50 units in 18 months, that's like, that's 100% you need to be doing that. Yeah. That's no, no reason you're not there. Um, what, where do you, how much longer do you think you're in summer sales for? Yeah, I, so that's a great, fantastic question. Um, I love the relationships that I have with all the guys that I work with. Yeah. I also love all the relationships that I have with the corporate team. Yeah. Um, I think I'm someone who is very relationship driven and commitment driven. Like if I didn't have those relationships, I'd probably be done now. Yeah. Like I'd probably, you know, hang out now, but I've made hundreds of commitments to people that I really, really care about. And I'm going to make sure that I see those commitments to the very, very end. And I do the very best job that I can to like maximize my uh, influence on that. So, yeah. I mean, we'll go through what they call an LTIP transaction. It's a long-term incentive program. Um, a lot of, a lot of people make fun of Aptiv. You're out there watching this. <laughs> a lot of people make fun of Aptiv for, cause we've hyped it up for several years now. Yeah. A lot of people thought it would have already happened, Yeah. but the LTIP will 100% happen. Um, I'll get a juicy payout from that. Then there will be another round of it after that where the company will probably go public. I don't know. It depends on where I'm at at that point. Yeah. But I'll for sure stay around for this first L tip. Um, however long that is, whether it's a year, five years, 10 years, like I'll for sure write that out. At yeah. Least. That's awesome. Uh, and it, again, going back to your loyalty, it's like you, you're prioritizing first. You're like, eh, it doesn't, you know, I'm not concerned about the money I'm making right now. Like you, you could be done. You could yeah. be done if you wanted to. And you could go into real estate and you could just, you know, crush yeah. it there and live the life. But you're like, I've made commitments. I've made promises to, to sales guys, to other people that I work with. And I'm going to see those commitments out. That speaks a lot about your character. Thanks. Um, it's hard to find people that are like that nowadays. I think, I think a lot of people are kind of wishy-washy and, and jump around and, and they don't hold commitments. There's a lot of that selfish of like, I'm going to do what's best for me. Totally. What I want to do uh, without thinking about what is that? How does that impact other people? Um, totally. So it's refreshing to see that you're, Thanks. you've got that mentality, <laughs> that old school mentality. Um, so what's the, uh, I want to talk real quick about your sneaker store because yeah. you mentioned that too. Yeah, sneak so easy. You got, you got summer sales. You got a big team that you're running there. You got your real estate portfolio that you're growing. Uh, and then you got a shoe store that yeah. you guys started with a few buddies of yours. Um, that's been crushing it. Yeah, it's been awesome. You guys, like I, I was kind of like, huh, I wonder how a sneaker store is going to do in Idaho Falls. Is there really a market for, because we're not talking about like, you know, $50 shoes. We're talking about, you know, they're, you're, you guys are selling 200, 300 1200 Anthony keeps us in business. Two, yeah. <laughs> they trick me into buying these shoes. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're going to go up in value. I promise. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, yeah. But I did, I had to rip out the Travis Scott. You look you know, good, for, man. You for, look great. Just for you. I don't, this is the first time wearing them in Idaho Falls. Again. You look great, dogs. You make those things look good. Uh, but you guys, you guys have done what in sales? Yeah. So we've been open almost a year. It'll be a year uh, next month, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, we've done over $700,000 in shoe sales, which That's is incredible. Blows my mind as well. Did not expect it. <laughs> in Idaho Falls. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, that, that's one of the most interesting and just fascinating things I've learned. Like I really thought we'd sell initially. We were only going to be open. We're still only open four days a week, Yeah. but initially I was like, we'll probably only open like a day a week. Cause I don't want to pay a worker to, you know, sit there if people aren't coming in. Yeah. But every week people just keep coming in. We have a lot of repeat customers who we really appreciate. 
um, new people getting into the shoe game, a lot of like high school kids who want to look good for dances. It has been so cool and so fun to see just people really, I guess, grab hold of the sneaker culture. And like, yeah. I think that's been one of the most rewarding things I've experienced over the last years Yeah, is having other people share in something that I'm like really proud of. Yeah. Like it's been, it's been awesome. It's, it's, I think it's great for the community. It's like when I come to get a pair of shoes, it's like, I'm actually, I'm going out of town somewhere because it's a last minute thought. I'm like, I want a new pair of shoes for this vacation or whatever. And it's so cool to have like, you guys, I can count on you guys to have something that I want to buy to take on vacation. It's not going to be cheap, but I'm going to be able to buy it and go on vacation. I don't have to wait for it to come on online. Um, So I think that's super cool. And I think you guys have done such a good job at making it like, Building a culture around the sneaker store. It's like your um, you know, your shirts are awesome. You guys put a lot of th- your chest. You just guys you started your chess club <laughs> yeah, within the sneaker fun. store. Who won the tournament this last these weekend? These kids. So I recruited these two kids to do summer sales with us. Yeah. Um, they're one of my team leaders' cousins. They both have a full ride to Purdue. Oh dang! And they're like brilliant, like perfect ACT scores. Mm. Like I think I actually think they won the Indiana Chess Championship. <laughs> <laughs> so they played and they they. They smashed us all. (laughs) (laughs) I thought for sure you were going to win it. (laughs) No, I wish chess is, I really enjoy chess. I started playing chess to help me have like something, keep my mind engaged instead of just mindlessly watching videos. Yep. Um, I'm not, I wish I was better though. I'm okay. Yeah. You (laughs) got a good score on (laughs) chess.com. I, uh, you inspired me. I ordered a, a, my first chess like board. It's fun, man. So we'll have to play. Yeah. I don't know any of the strategies. I'm like, okay. Like I can see it, but I don't know any of like the lead out strategies and do that. I'll stuff. play with these guys and they're like, Oh, that was the King's Gambit Hiruko. And I'm like, I don't know. I yeah. just moved my I just king. Moved, like, I that's thought it was a good move. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's that's how I am. Uh, but that's so cool because I, I love that you guys have built that community within your sneaker store. What what I think you have a really good talent with is is building a culture. Thanks. Building a team and building a community. Um and you guys have given back to to the Idle Falls community. Um, but that's one thing that I'd be excited to see you do, you know, whenever you, I know you don't have time now, but like whenever you do have time in the future, like taking that into other businesses. Yeah. I think that's one of your skills is, um, building the front end of a business and, and how that outward facing looks to the community, the marketing behind it, building a culture and a team around it. Thank you. Um, it's been really cool to watch your sneaker store. I'm like, it's been fun. Thank you for the compliments. Yeah. The sneaker store has been like, I love it. I talked to Nate about this. I love it like maybe too much because yeah. we don't make any money on it. <laughs> We've sold a lot of shoes yeah. and we theoretically are making money, but where it's like a side business, we're not as organized as we should be. Yeah. And all the money that we've made, we've just put back into buying more shoes and upgrading stuff and Red Bull machines, Red Bull and machines, and ice, and ice cream, cream machines, and, and barber chairs, 360 cameras. And, bar- <laughs> and we've given away probably fifteen to $20,000 worth of stuff or donations to like local sports teams That's and cool. like the sneaker store, we kind of have an unfair advantage because none of us are surviving off of it. Yeah. It's really just like a passion project for that, sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future. I mean, who knows when, who knows when or what, but I really want to build an empire here. And yeah. like, I love Idaho falls. I love the people. I love the community. I want to do something awesome. We need to start. You know what we need to start? We need to start a restaurant. That'd be sick. You could create a really That'd cool vibe at a restaurant. I, for a long time, I wanted to like open a barbecue restaurant. Yeah. Here. 
you see, and you're killer on the grill. So what I, what I, and we'll talk about this after what I need you for is we're doing like a big 4th of July event. Sick. So we do like for the community. Um, we might have somebody that's going to donate a Traeger. Oh, cool. And we'll like do samples for people to, That'd be to sick. try. So I'm like, I need somebody that can use a Traeger to smoke, uh, some meat and like be samples. And I'm like, who do I know? That's a good, you know, we get, Braden's pretty good too. Um, but Braden yeah, looks you know. like he'd. Braden looks like he knows his way around a barbecue grill. Yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> he smokes all of all the meat for the team and stuff whenever we want to barbecue. But um, I love you got like you've got your egg and your yeah. Traegers and your smokers. So it'd be fun to have you at that event. Um, but we'll, we'll get it. I know we've probably even gone over time here, but we'll we'll wrap things up and uh, leave the listeners with something. You know, maybe like the the two top things or two best advice. Uh, pieces that you could leave with with the audience, people that are maybe looking at, you know, these listeners are looking to start start their own pursuit of wealth. They may be looking to invest in real estate, maybe get into sales, um, you know, build build a build some wealth for their family. What's kind of your biggest two pieces of advice? Yeah, um, man, I think hopefully these are good pieces of advice. Um, the the one of the things that I'm probably most grateful for is that I took a risk and I got into real estate investing. And I got into sales. And so I would say, um, don't be, don't stay on the sidelines. Like just jump into something, whether that's real estate, whether that's door to door sales, whether that's investing in real estate, whether it's trying to wholesale stuff, you know, there's a lot of starting a sneaker store, like jump in, you're going to learn some lessons along the way and it'll either go well or it won't, but you'll never know unless you jump in. I think that's one of my superpowers, if you will, like, the guys kind of make fun of me, like the sneaker store. We had this like idea for it. And then before they knew it, I'd spent $40,000 on shoes and done a whole renovation in the back room. And they're like, we don't even like, what are we doing? You're like, we'll figure it out. I'm like, yeah, it'll work. <clears throat> and it has worked and it's been awesome. And we still have a lot of stuff to figure out, but we jumped in. Um, so that's probably my biggest, uh, I guess, you know, tip. And then the other one I think is to be patient um, I don't, I really don't believe I'm the most talented recruiter. I think there's guys that are way better than me. I'm certainly not the most talented sales rep. I'm not the most financially savvy. I blow my money on dumb stuff all the time, but I do stay really consistent. Like I will show up at the office every single day this summer for six to eight hours. And I'll answer every single text that I get at 7am and midnight and I've done that for 10 years. Yeah. And sometimes I hate that I'm so consistent because I really don't feel like I've gotten a true breather in years. Yeah. But I guess it's one of my commitments. And I think if you can stay consistent for a really long time, even if you're not the best, eventually you become really, really good. Kind oh, yeah. of like you said. Yeah. And dude, it's incredible. I mean, when I, if I text you, I, I know that you'll respond at some point, <laughs> yeah. like, which is cool because I, I know how busy you are. Thanks. Um, but the fact that you do get back to people that again, it just goes back to your, your, you and your character. Um, also I need to start a podcast and have you on it so I can sit here and give you compliments oh, for an hour. No, no, no. This <laughs> is, you're making me feel like <laughs> a million bucks, man. Got to get you out there so you can sell. I got to sit here and give you compliments <laughs> for an hour next time. You've been so nice. Um, and going back to your other tip, you know, just get, get rolling and stuff. Um, it, you just can't be afraid to fail. Yeah. And like, you just know that failure is the price of success. Yeah. Like you're never going to reach true success or hit your highest potential. If you're not willing to, to take risks and fail and know that you will fail totally. and that you will learn from those lessons. I'm like, I'm sure not everything has gone 
like you planned. Yeah, it started a lawn. Well, I bought a lawn care business that I hated. Yeah. And it was a pain in the butt. And I for sure lost money on it. There's been some hiccups along the road to success. Yeah. But we don't talk about that. Nah, you know? whatever. Nobody's going to talk about your failures. They're going to look at, at your successes. So don't be afraid to start. Keep going. Um, reach out to. So if you guys don't follow Yogi Myers on Instagram, you definitely need to. Yogi Myers. Um, he's got an incredible content. You're going to see his Ferrari and his souped up Bronco and his uh, boat that he's going to take me on this summer. Can't wait for that. Yes. <laughs> um, but he's got all the, he's, he's going to show all the highlights, but also know that all comes with hard work. Um, it wasn't easy. It's yeah. been a 10 year, 10 year ride for you. And you've put in a lot of time and you're still putting in a lot of time and work into that. So, uh, but I think it's cool. What you've accomplished is really cool. So thanks. If you guys have questions, shoot Yogi a DM, uh, leave me a comment. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And if we need to have Yogi back on to ask more questions, we will. So we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. Don't listen to people who lose or you'll do the same. Stop talking to people who don't give a f what you're saying. Stop spending your money on weed, go hop on a plane. Stop pointing the finger and start taking some of the blame. Let me put you on game. Control your emotions. Most of the time, it's really not worth it. Don't be ashamed and beat yourself up for not being perfect.